The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, we've got Del Bigtree. He is a medical producer and a journalist, and he's and he's one of the preeminent voices of the vaccine risk awareness movement. That's why I wanted to have him on today. We want to talk about gut health and how that relates to vaccinations, what's going on today, what's happened in the past. Um, Dell's career spans pretty far back. I mean, he was an Emmy award-winning producer of the CBS talk show, The Doctors, and um, then he pr- produced the documentary Vaxxed. So if you guys have not seen the documentary Vaxxed, you want to check it out. And... Um, I could keep reading all of his accomplishments, but he's out there kicking ass for health, truth, truth, freedom, and health. And we love having him on. So Dell, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. So why don't you just get into, um, let's just jump into this. Um, I mean, what, what actually, I like to get back to like, what got you into doing what you do? How did you end up following your passion? How'd you get there? You know, actually I backed my way into my passion. I suppose you could say I, you know, I went to film school. I was uh, in Hollywood attempting to be a filmmaker, making music videos and all sorts of things. And uh, one day I got a call from a friend that said, hey, you know, you know how to shoot camera. We need an extra camera guy on the Dr. Phil show. We're doing like a weekend retreat thing. I said, sure, I'll do it. And that led me into daytime talk. I worked at Dr. Mm -hmm. Phil for about four years. And then they created the show. Uh, the doctors, I was right in there at the very beginning, working with the brand new executive producer. I was the field producer running around shooting surgeries. Uh, we we're trying to figure out how to make the show work. How do you make medicine and science and surgeries? First of all, how do you shoot it in a way that can be acceptable on uh, daytime television? So all of that, you know, um, ended up being sort of this incredible, crazy ride uh, where I ended up winning an Emmy Award working on the doctor's television show. But at my nature, at my heart, um, I was always, you know, um, a progressive, liberal, loudmouth, you know, really believed in environment, was fighting environmental issues uh, my whole life. And I never really trust industries when they tell us a product is safe, but they're dumping things into our water. So those have always been issues of mine. And so... Because of that, while I was working on the doctor's television show, there's about seven producers that run seven teams. If you imagine the show is on every day of the week, uh, each producer has to produce one show per week that will be aired. Uh, So I was one of those seven producers. And if you talk to our legal team on the show, they would probably say that I was, uh, in fact, my lawyer would always joke, or the lawyer for the doctor would always joke with me. She's like, you cost us more money than anyone, Dell. And the reason being is I would challenge industry a lot. Like I, I did hard hitting shows. One of the big ones I sort of laid claim to is when um, glyphosate, uh, the product in Monsanto's Roundup, when the World Health Organization ruled that glyphosate was probably carcinogenic to human beings. It's the second highest cancer rating there is. Um, I talked to my executives and said, I want to do a show about this. I want to challenge Monsanto. I want to see if I can get them to come onto the show. I reached out to Monsanto. Uh, They trusted the doctors would be fair. And so they sent Donna Farmer 
head of toxicology on to be in a debate on our show. I brought in one of the leading GMO activists, uh, Jeffrey Smith, who'd written several books about Monsanto, and I had them debate each other on television. That's pretty highbrow for a daytime talk show. Those are the types of things I like to do. And actually, now that we're seeing the legal cases that are winning against glyphosate, the billions of dollars being paid out, um, uh, Brett Wisner, one of the lead uh, lawyers, told me we are using footage from your episode of The Doctors because we have Donna Farmer's emails refuting at that exact moment what she was lying to the public about and then saying behind closed doors. So my work is now even being used uh, in legal cases against Monsanto. So that's how I'm wired. I'm wired to challenge industry uh, where I think there may be um, fraud taking place or lies. And because of that, I had a lot of internal... Um, um, you know, witnesses or, or people that worked inside of CDC, worked inside the industry. And that's how I was tipped off to a story um, about a whistleblower at the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention named Dr. William Thompson. I was told back in late uh, 2014, early 2015, by one of my inside sources that there's going to be a whistleblower stepping forward saying they're committing scientific fraud on the vaccine safety studies at the CDC, um, and specifically the MMR autism study that was done between 2000 and 2004, when they were investigating, does the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, the MMR vaccine, raise the risk of autism? Um, This scientist was going to come forward. I heard about it. Uh, I pitched it to my executive producers at the doctors. They said, you're not going anywhere near that story. We're not going to say that the CDC has committed fraud. They've been really good friends of the show. Every time there's an outbreak, we get behind the scenes camera footage. Uh, We're also not going to go after, you know, in this case, Merck, uh, because a lot of our funding comes from Merck and Pfizer, Sanofi, Aventis. So I wasn't allowed to go near the show. I mean, go near the story, but I followed the story and I watched all of media covered up. Uh, two weeks later, this whistleblower did come forward, said he believed that they had committed scientific fraud. They hid statistically significant information in their studies as it related to the MMR and autism and was providing 10,000 documents to back up that claim. Um, that story just festered with me, along with the fact that I was watching in California where I worked, SB 277 being passed, which was going to take away a parent's right to not vaccinate their child. They'd be forced to vaccinate if they want their child in public or private school. That I recognized as um, direct violation of the Nuremberg Code, which says you can't force or even coerce anybody into a medical uh, experiment, practice, uh, surgery, um, or vaccine or drug. You're not allowed to do that. So I saw that as defying the Nuremberg Code and a slippery slope towards, you know, what could eventually look like Nazi Germany. All of those things drove me into pursuing that story of the whistleblower. And I made the film Vaxxed. And that's what's the heart of Vaxxed is Dr. William Thompson, this whistleblower, uh, showing that they knew that the uh, MMR vaccine was involved in the rise of autism in our children. And so from that once I made that film, I was basically never going to be allowed to go back to television or working for CBS or or uh, clients like Merck. And so that set me on a different journey. And I, you know, after traveling with the film, I created my own talk show, The High Wired. I'm sitting on the set right now. 
And this is a show we've done now for nearly four years, every Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. I do what we did on the doctors with one major difference. I don't have any sponsors telling me what I can and cannot investigate. My executive producer I brought over from the doctor's television show, one of our major field producers I brought over. So this is the dream now to do what we learned how to do for CBS, but to do it without being shackled and handcuffed by the sponsors that are controlling our media. Man, that had to be frustrating. And and for for those of you listening, you got to think about this. Like the truth gets hidden so often. I mean, glyphosate is an example. I remember when I went to the Hippocrates Health Institute in Florida in 2011, and they were telling us about that. And I I actually listened to some stuff with Jeffrey Smith and, you know, and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this stuff is bad. And I'm, I grew up on a farm spraying that shit. You know, dad's like, oh, you know, go hit the weeds, go knock, hit the ditch, you know? And I'm like, I go out there. I had no mask, no cover, no, no protection. I was like, Shh. I mean, that stuff was getting on my boots probably, you know, and then I'm walking out there the next day, fixing fence right where I sprayed, you know, getting down on my hands and knees and doing stuff. And, and, and then I, I remember it smelled really bad. And I remember talking to my dad about it. I was like, ah, this stuff stinks. I was like, are you sure it's safe? He's like, oh yeah, it's fine. You know, just yeah. redneck farmer mentality. Just get it done. You're tough. You know, don't be a wussy type thing. And well, um, also the assumption, right, that if it's approved by the FDA and we see everybody spraying it on their gardens, it must be safe. There's no way they would let us spray something that could yeah. kill us. Right. Yeah. And my dad has a lot of health issues right now. And I think a lot of it could be contributed to, you know, that spray and, and all the other stuff that we were using. So the um, and now, like when I go home to Eastern Oregon, like I was just back there this weekend, almost every freaking weekend that I go home, you know, my mom and dad have the TV on like 24 seven. They're in their 80s. Right. <laughs> so it's like yeah. their best friend. He's watching cowboy and Indians all the time. And and there's always these commercials coming on where these these attorneys are like, um, were you exposed to glyphosate? If so, you know, you could be entitled to compensation. I mean, it's like 24 seven. I'm like yeah. these attorneys, mom and dad, they, they wouldn't be spending the money to get these ads in front of you on TV. If there wasn't a real deal, they're, they're winning suits. This is money for them because it does affect people and it's a problem. So whether it's, um, a, a chemical made in glyphosate or Roundup, what do you want to call it? This is an herbicide or it's a chemical in an inoculation. These are man-made chemicals and they're acid-based and they just destroy human health. And now they're getting so diabolical. So man, with you ha- being here, like we could talk about, I got a gazillion ways we could go with this, but I really want to focus on, let's go back to what we talked about before we got started, which was Dr. Andy Wakefield's work on gut health. Let's yeah. just talk about that first. And how do vaccines affect gut health? So for those of you listening, you might be having some gut issues, Crohn's, colitis, diverticulitis, diverticulosis, whatever, your gut's jacked up, leaky gut. Listen in here because Dell's got some really good inside information on what's going on with vaccines and how they affect the gut. You know, really quickly, I want to point out because you triggered something just in what you said. Your father's watching this television and he's seeing all these ads for if you've been injured by, you know, if you use glyphosate or having issues with cancer or, you know, all these different lists, that's one of the problems with vaccines. You will never see that ad for vaccines because we cannot sue vaccine manufacturers or doctors or hospitals. It is totally and completely indemnified by the US government. It is protected from liability. And that's an important point as we have any of these discussions because the only way you can make a product better or get it pulled or have it evolve is you have to be able to sue what we, you know, what happened in 1986, it's called the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. 
Uh, this is when basically all of the pharmaceutical companies they blackmailed Ronald Reagan. They said, look, we are losing so much money from our uh, lawsuits of death and injury by vaccines. We cannot make a profit. Yet you have this program in America where you want to mandate it for kids. Here's the deal. We're not going to take on the liability. And, you know, and let, if you don't protect us from liability, we're going to stop making all of the vaccines. And then what are you going to do? And so Ronald Reagan signed the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. So think about that. Since 1986, he just no didn't know. He didn't know a safety trial that hasn't had to perform any safety evaluations. Nobody is at risk of being sued. Therefore, this product has just exploded in that same amount of time. We went from 11 vaccines we were giving our kids up until the point that they were 18 years old, 11 vaccines in the 1980s to now we're giving our children 54 vaccines and counting. And remember, these vaccines often have multiple elements. DTAP is three, diphtheria, tetanus, acellular pertussis. So that 72 vaccines this program has exploded to. And when we look at what has happened during that event of the explosion of this vaccine program, when we were getting 11 vaccines, when you could sue in the 1980s, the chronic illness rate of our children was 12.8% of America's children had a chronic illness. And a lot of that was gut illness, right? A lot of autoimmune disease, a lot of things that, you know, start in the gut, whether it's, you know, lupus or, or Crohn's disease, these types of things, or, or neurological disorders, 12.8% was the rate of those illnesses in the 1980s. Cut to now, when we're giving our children 54 vaccines, it is... Uh, the chronic illness rate in America is now 54% of our children have a chronic illness, more than half, more than one in two. That is the greatest decline in public health in recorded history. We have never watched kids lose the ability to walk on this planet without being on a drug, uh, and certainly not that fast, the 12.8% to 54%. So I say all of that. That's when people ask me, why did you start this investigation? It really starts there. When I started looking at vaccines, I thought, if vaccines make us healthier, why is it with the increase of vaccines have we seen the greatest demise in public health in recorded history? And so then you start this investigation. So now let's look at what drags me into this. I find out there's a whistleblower named Dr. William Thompson that says that the MMR vaccine study uh, that was looking at autism was fraudulent, that they committed fraud. Why did they do this study at the CDC? They did it for one reason. A doctor scientist um, uh, in the UK was saying that it looks like the MMR vaccine may be contributing to the autism epidemic. That that. Uh, doctor was Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Mm -hmm. Well, once I started investigating the story of William Thompson, as it turns out, Wakefield has been interviewing Thompson and recording his phone calls and has now got proof that inside the CDC, they are proving what he had proved all the way back in the late 1990s, about 1998. Now, we'll hear that he lost his license around this study, and I don't want to get too buried in the weeds but every time we hear about the vaccine autism connection, we hear Dr. Andrew Wakefield's the only scientist that ever said that, and he was defrocked. It was a fraudulent study, and he lost his license. The only part of all of what I just said that is true is he did lose his medical license. But what was never proved was fraud. What was proved, and this is really important to this story, and so let me just quickly lay it out since gut health is what you focus on on your show. I would say that in many ways, Dr. Andrew Wakefield is the forefather 
uh, the founding father of the investigation of gut health in science and medicine. And that was his focus for decades. He comes from a royal family. His lineage of doctors in, in the Royal Free Hospital and in the UK is extensive, but he had done 170 uh, published papers and studies on gut health and specifically Crohn's disease. That was his specialty. So he gets a call from a mother that says, I just read your study, your recent study on Crohn's disease, and I'm wondering if you would evaluate my son. And he said, well, what's going on with your son? She said, well, my son is showing many of the signs you describe as Crohn's disease, but you know, all of it started right after he was diagnosed with autism. And Andy basically said, well, this is about autism, then that's not my area of specialty. She's like, no, no, it's not about autism. It's about the fact that he either has like this, this, this burning diarrhea for two weeks on end, or sometimes can't go to the bathroom for weeks at a time. And it, it reminded me of Crohn's disease. And I wonder if you take a look at him. So Andy starts this pilot study, um, a case control study. This is one of the first things you do in science to see, is there really anything there? And they looked at 12 kids whose parents were all saying the same thing. My child has a really bad inflamed gut disease, I believe, that is resulting in terrible diarrhea or constipation that I've just, it's, it's horrific. And they all said it started right after my child was diagnosed with autism. So Andy does this study. And to be clear, what was really fascinating, there's a lot to this study, 12 other leading uh, gastroenterologists and scientists involved all signed their name to this study. But I think the important point to understand is while they were looking at these children with autism to see, and the question being asked was, is the gut health, is this novel gut disease somehow either contributing or you know involved with in some symbiotic relationship with autism. Now remember, in the late 1990s, at this point, autism is a psychological issue. It's it's like um, um, any other, you know, Tourette's, or um, I'm trying to think of um, schizophrenia, right? Perfect mm -hmm. examples of other issues. You know, there were it was a mental brain issue, not a body health issue. And so this study was the first time looking at, is it possible that this is a physical uh, disease? And so one of the fascinating discoveries in this study was when they would clear the, the bowels, when they clear the intestinal system in these children, in order to do a colonoscopy to see what was happening inside of their intestines, when they would clear their intestinal system in many of the children that were you know, in the study, the mannerisms, the flapping hands, the repetitive motion disorders would disappear or get much, their symptoms would, would, would go away or become much less significant, which was an astounding discovery, an astounding discovery that changing the gut biome or what was happening with the acidic nature or whatever it was in the stomach was somehow affecting the, what was known to be you know, a psychological, neurological issue. That's what the study proved. The Lancet study, as it's referred to, ultimately proved that there appeared to be a very specific novel gut illness attributed to or directly connected working with autism. <clears throat> and the study even said, this study does not claim, you know, does not prove that the MMR causes autism. What it proves is that there seems to be a connection between the gut health and this disease we know as autism. Now, why did Andy lose his license? Why did this MMR vaccine thing get attributed to this study, which was really about gut health. 
is fascinating. Eight of the 12 parents who had brought their kids into this study all said the same thing. They said, my child's autism started right after the MMR vaccine. They all had similar stories. After they got their one MMR, which is when it was delivered, one at a time in the UK, that night, kid would start screaming, major fevers and many seizures in some of them. And then they slowly lost the ability to walk and talk and all of these other issues of autism started. Eight of the 12 families said that. Now the study wasn't about the MMR vaccine, but in a case control study, you look at every, you know, you're, you're trying to see, is there an issue here? Is there something that is worth studying or doing a larger study on? And so you take all of the statements by the pediatricians, the doctors, everybody involved, and the parents. And so to be honest, behind the scenes, as I ended up working with Andy on Vax, what he told me is, you know, yeah, my other co-authors did sit me down and said, you know, Andy, this study's brilliant and it's really fascinating what we're, we're seeing that there is clearly a connection between the gut health and this issue known as autism, which very few people know anything about. But do we have to put this part in where the parents claim the autism started right after the vaccine? Because that's just going to get us in all sorts of trouble with the Ministry of Health here in the UK. It's going to make people afraid of the vaccine. And we also get a lot of funding from, I think it was uh, GlaxoSmithKline that made the vaccine in the UK. Once you know, again, in comes the money. Oh, the money, right? And mm. Andy said this to, to his co-authors. He said, well, let me ask you this question. First of all, we're supposed to report everything we find since this is a case control. This is the beginning of places that we are telling science, go and research all of these things that we're seeing and see what you find. Now, normally, let me ask you this. He said, if eight of the 12 parents had all said, my child's autism started right after he developed a wild measles, had, had gotten measles as a child, his autism or her autism started right after that, would we put in the study that they claimed that the getting the measles caused their autism? And they all sat there and they said, yes, Andy, yes, we would. Mm -hmm. They said, so you're telling me the reason we are going to hold back information in the case control study is that we're worrying about the funding in our university or, or you know, what the health ministry is using as part of a vaccine. And they said, you know what, you make a good point. And they signed their name to that study. And that began this discussion about the safety of the MMR vaccine. And then Andy ended up being tried, not in a real court, but in a basically the, the, the UK ministry, the, the General Medical Council um, tried him and one other uh, scientist in the study, Professor John Walker Smith. I don't wanna go on for days and days. So if people really wanna understand why Andy lost his license, you should read, just, just punch into, your web, into the web um, the exoneration of Professor John Walker Smith. Remember, two guys lost their license. One appealed and got his license back. And here's what it came down to. Um, there were two terms uh, that were, and this is really important because, I mean, I, it is in the weeds, but I want people to understand this. There was two terms. There's medical investigation or, or medical research or clinical investigation. Those two terms were at the heart of the case against Andy Wakefield and Professor John Walker Smith. If you are doing clinical investigation, that means you're doing colonoscopies and spinal taps on these children, these 12 children that were in the study, um, but you're not gonna heal them. You don't care about them. You're just investigating what is the issue. If it's clinical investigation, you need ethical approval from the university or the 
benefit from this. We need to ethically approve what you're going to do with them. If it's medical research, medical research is when a doctor does a colonoscopy on you to see, do you have cancer? Do you have some other issue? They're doing that research in order to cut away polyps or to try and heal you. Medical research then obviously doesn't need clinical investigation or everyone be needing, you know, uh, um, uh, doesn't need um, ethical approval because it's part of the practice and the doctor's trying to heal you. And so in the end of the case, Here's why Andy lost his license. The General Medical Council ruled that what these two doctors, and really the 13 scientists have been involved with, but the two that lost their license, that they had been involved in clinical investigation, which meant they were doing these, these procedures on children that they had no intention of healing for research. And because of that, um, actually, I'm getting, I got them confused, medical research. They were doing medical research, not clinical investigation to heal the kids. And because of that, and they didn't get ethical approval for doing that research, their license were pulled for medical malpractice. That's the whole story. Nobody knows that story. They talk about fraud. Fraud had nothing to do with it. John Walker Smith ends up winning because he said, I treated those, every one of those kids were in my practice for years after that study. I was doing clinical investigation. I did work with trying to heal their gut to make them healthier, to get them over what appeared to be some form of Crohn's disease. So it's a lie. The General Medical Council was wrong. I was treating them, therefore I didn't need ethical approval. He got his license back. So the big bad guy, Andrew Wakefield, still doesn't have his license based on a technicality. It had nothing to do with fraud, and yet that's what we hear. You know, I, I he was just he was just trying to help that lady. That's what he was trying to do. Trying to help and understand. He was just standing behind the doctor that was treating these children and writing what was being discovered. And so that's at the heart of this entire mm. vaccine oh. issue. And what it spawned was this idea for those that continued the research. There's great research at uh, UC uh, Davis, um, at Arizona State University, all looking at gut biome now and autism. Also, we're seeing more and more studies looking beyond autism to gut health and psychological health, right? We are now starting to recognize that gut health can lead to depression. If you don't have a strong gut biome, you're, we now know that your intestines or your stomach is making up you know, much of the serotonin that you need to experience joy. So when I think about that, when I think back to 1998, when Andrew Wakefield, you know, you know put this study out, we didn't, we weren't all taking uh, probiotics. We never even heard of the thing. Mm -hmm. More and more and more, the science is proving what Andy Wakefield was pioneering, you know, 20 something years ago, that our gut health is actually affecting our brain. And guess what? Every time I read one of these studies now that says exactly that, I said, you know what? This headline should say Andy Wakefield was right. Somebody needs to give that guy's license back. Imagine where we'd be if 20 years ago, we really got focused with Andy on gut health and how it affects illness and how are vaccines affecting our gut health? Are they causing more problems than they're, than they're curing? Man, thank God for Dr. Wakefield. And I think a really important point to, to bring up there is that he was right behind the other doctor just taking notes and, and the other doctor was there actually doing the the um the 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 clinical was it clinical or you said medical the yeah. clinical procedure he was trying to heal the kids and wakefield's just reporting that's all that's, that's it. all it was never touched one of the children yet we hear scam fraud doctor did invasive like probed handicapped children and 
and cut into their spine. I mean, this is literally how it's described. Yeah. And the truth is, is propaganda. They're, they're just, you know, taking notes on. Um, in, yeah. in comes the propaganda machine to protect the money, the flow of the money. Begins, right. When we look at the fraud we're involved in, it really starts in the 90, early 2000s when they started going after Andy's license on this issue in an attempt to scare every other doctor away from ever investigating vaccines. Well, I can tell you from the last 10 years since I started my health journey and fixed my leaky gut syndrome and all the problems I was having, I was pooping blood. I had rocks coming out. It was very painful. That's why my shirt says love when you poop, because I used to hate to go poop because it was a very painful process and the doctor didn't know what to, um, put me on Prilosec. I, I just decided not to do it. So I was just eating Tums and Rolaids. But I can tell you, Dale, over the last 10 years, I have watched multiple people pop up online and make entire businesses by helping people with their gut health. Lots of health coaches, a lot of women, men, everybody, and even, even, uh, even now practices where they have full clinics now, it's all specializing on gut health and the gut bacterium, the gut biome and the probiotics and getting outside and getting in the dirt and, and showing that, you know, there's studies that show that like people that own animals have a 50% higher immune system because the, they're kissing and loving on their, you know, the, the lab comes in and licks them on the face and transfer those bacteria that they brought from outside. So it is, and as Dr. Shiva pointed out too, one of the top immune system experts in the world that, you know, the, the old model that like Fauci's and, and like the medical system on is it's just, you have the inter, uh, you have the um, adaptive and the innate immune system. And that that's a hundred year old model, but they're missing on the interferon system, the gut and the brain. So there's actually five parts to it and the gut and brain are definitely connected. That's something called the vagus nerve. People can look that up and no wonder people with autism uh, are getting and children are getting better when they clean up their gut and they put that gut bacteria back into the proper balance. Of course, it's going to affect their brain because they are connected, absolutely connected. So, yeah, I mean, and just just to finish that point for people that aren't you know really focused on this, and I know like autism might not be your issue, but here's how specific it is. Uh, I think is Arizona State, I believe it was, did a study where they did fecal transplants on autistic children. They took healthy species and put it in the intestinal systems of autistic children. And they saw marked improvement over time with this process of their symptoms of autism disappearing. I, I want to say it's UC Davis took it one step further. They took, um, I believe it's lab rats, might've been mice, but they took rodents and they uh, took rodents with, uh, with healthy biome. And they took the feces of autistic children and put it into, did a fecal transplant in the mice and the mice developed autism symptoms uh, based on that fecal transplant. And what was recorded was the more severe the autism uh, in the child, the fecal transplant going to the mouse, the more severe those symptoms in the mouse. That's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible study. And we're seeing more and more things like that. And so when we look at autism, to me, one of the things as a, as a medical journalist is there is something about autism that is teaching us something about the fragility of the human body, right? Of this connection between brain and stomach. And whether or not we all get it, there should be millions and millions of dollars being poured into understanding autism because I think it's giving us a window into our immune system and its connection to the gut. And yet the opposite is true. Science is avoiding this like the plague. They don't want to have anything to do with it. The only studies being done are trying to disprove any connection with vaccines to try and say it's a gene issue. It was, you know, you were born with it. Well, you, you and I both know that's because that's where the freaking funding's coming from. 
Right. Exactly. Pharmaceutical companies are funding that research. They're not going to fund the research that's going to, exactly. and that's, and again, for those of you listening today, I didn't have Dell on to speak specifically about autism, but it's, yeah. it's coming up because it's full circle because we have very prominent doctors that have done some very prominent research. They've been through the ringer. They said, I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to do what's right. And it just happened to be, it was MMR and autism linking to gut health. And what we're sharing with you today is the MMR vaccine is just one vaccine. You're going to get, your kids are going to get 72 freaking vaccines in their, in their lifetime now before they're 18. So we have one vaccine that's causing this much problems and it's connected. The gut health and vaccines is connected to all health. And I can tell you in my practice and helping people with gut health, it, it, it raises all boats. It doesn't matter whether it's autism or you have, you know, you have a colitis or you have a fibromyalgia, you have stage four cancer, maybe you've got breast cancer, whatever. Maybe you've got headaches. I, I've, I've seen people with migraines within, within weeks, this disappears when, when, when we get them detoxed and we focus on gut health. So today, the reason why we had Dell on is because we want to really focus on the connections between vaccines and your health. And right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I have a question for you, Dell, um, about vaccines and COVID. We'll be right back. Today, I'm excited to share with you our probiotic and prebiotic formula. Probiotics and prebiotics is a breakthrough product that should be taken daily to rebuild the good bacteria in your gut, help fight candida, strengthen your immune system, eliminate bloating, and help you have more consistent movements. A healthy body and mind starts with a healthy gut. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dell Bigtree. And um, okay, Dell, here's the question. So COVID hits us earlier this year in 2020. Boom, lockdowns. We're going to flatten the curve. It's going to take two weeks. And that whole thing is supposed to give our medical um, people time to organize and get everything ready for what's going to happen to us. And then, as you know, the lockdown has continued and continued. I know here in our state, our governor... Um, moved it to November 4th, and then now she's moved it to January. So what I thought that was interesting, I don't know if you've seen this or not. I'm sure you probably have because you're on the pulse of all this stuff. But when the lockdown initially happened, young mothers and young fathers were not able to go in to see their pediatricians. At the very same time, childhood death rates plummeted. Do you think there's a connection there from them not going in and seeing their doctors because if they're not seeing the doctor, they're not getting a vaccine. Right. You see it. Yeah, Do you think so there's a connection there? Do you know anybody that's following this? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a connection. I mean, the SIDS rate, SIDS is sudden infant death syndrome. So that's any child under the age of one that suddenly dies in their crib, crib death. And then there's SUDS, sudden unexplained death syndrome. Once they're over the age of, you know, they move into above one years old. Uh, I've, I've, you know, interviewed so many parents that have gone through that, but you're right. It drops significantly uh, the rate of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And when you think about the vaccine program and so many of these parents, in fact, I want to say that um, of the recorded, in, you know, we have recording systems. I'm trying to remember the stat, but it, it's a, it's something like 75% of SIDS reports are reported uh, within 24 hours of, or say that the, the death occurred within 24 hours of a vaccination. 
Um, 75 percent 75% I mean that's that's crazy it's way too so, much correlation to ignore that and and that's what they say well I mean kids get so many vaccines it's going to be you know it, it's just randomized that you know the odds are they will be really close to vaccine once they get it. these are the types of excuses they make um, for it but when you look at for instance day one deaths in the United States of America we're one of the only countries that gives a hepatitis B vaccine on the first day of life. And we in America have the highest first, ba- de- uh, first day death rate in the industrialized world. We have more babies die on the first day of life in America than the 20 other richest nations in the world. Uh, let me say that again. We have more babies die on the first day of life than the 20 other richest nations in the world combined. Combined. Whoa. So, and here, here's the thing. Just, just I want to say something really quick, Del, which is number one, I mean, me personally, I am not anti-vax. I know that might sound like that today. I am pro safe vaccine vaccines. Yeah. I just want somebody to show me a safe one and to be effective. I mean, what's what's your stance on that? Are you anti-vax? Are you pro-vaccine? I mean, it's probably not I'm pro. I'm in the same position. You know, I am not, I will never say I'm anti-vaccine because I'm not anti-science, right? One of my arguments with the other side, with the pro-vax side, is they will say the science is settled, that vaccines are safe and effective, the science is settled. And I always say the science is never settled. If there's one thing we learn from science is that it's never settled. They'll say, well, the consensus of science. Oh, that's that's not the scientific method. That's the that scientific consensus scientific method. I, I would I would challenge anyone in your audience today to show me what great evolutions in science happened where everybody agreed at the same time. Oh, we all found the same thing. The consensus has now changed its mind. No. Science always evolves because of one scientist, one doctor, one scientific team, you know, veers away from where everybody else was looking and proves mm-hmm. something different. So consensus has no place in science either. And so because of all those reasons, the science is settled. My science is not settled. What I can tell you is I would not put one of the childhood vaccines that currently exist into my own children for one simple reason. I don't put chemicals into my children that have not been safety tested. And that's what my nonprofit has proved. I have been, I've, I've had seats that nobody else has been at. Bobby Kennedy and I were invited by Donald Trump to sit at the National Institute of Health. Tony Fauci was three feet away from me. Francis Collins, head of the NIH, was here along with like 12 other illuminaries of the vaccine program. And we asked them the important questions. We said in our investigation, we can't find a single double-blind inert placebo study which is the gold standard for all pharmaceutical products to be approved for safety, meaning you took one group and gave them the vaccine, and you took another group and gave them a saline injection, and we tracked them for like three to 10 years, which is how long drugs take to go through a safety trial. We can't find anything of the sort for any of the 16 childhood vaccines. And you know what they said? They said, that's right, we don't do them. We don't do the gold standard safety trials on vaccines because it would be unethical. That's what they said to our faces. Unethical. Unethical? We have, yes. They have such a strong assumption and belief that any vaccine coming onto the market is going to be so great that to deny the placebo group that great life-saving vaccine would be a disservice to them. Now, remember, these are the same. Oh, my God. That's that amazing. Let someone die of cancer that is saying, I want to use a trial drug that appears from my perspective to be working. Um, I know it's still in trials. This is this is this whole right to use or right to try that Donald Trump passed. 
you know, you're dying of cancer. But Tony Fauci, these people say, I know that you're dying, but we're not going to let you use this drug because it hasn't proven to be safe. So we will deny people <laughs> a drug because the safety, the safety study is so important for a drug. But we won't deny a group of healthy children that are not dying to be allowed to not get the vaccine and be a part of a placebo group for several years. And you're going to watch this now with this COVID-19 vaccine. So let's get into that. I could go on for days, but here's what you need to know. Not a single childhood vaccine you're giving your children, 16 vaccines, 54 shots, 72 doses. None of them have ever been through a safety study where they compared the group that got the vaccination to a group that got a saline injection, a placebo group. Never happened. That is not, none of our vaccines were approved for safety. In fact, they have never looked at the entire totality of 72 vaccines in our kids compared to kids that don't get them and say, who is healthier, which is what we were demanding at that meeting at the National Institute of Health. We said, you're sitting on a database of 10, over 10 million people. The CDC has a database called the VSD, the Vaccine Safety Data Link. We said, just do a comparative study. Take your vaccinated individuals and then compare them to the completely unvaccinated individuals and ask simple questions. Who has more cancer? Who has more diabetes? Who has more gut health problems like, you know, uh, Crohn's disease? Who has more lupus? Who has more autism or Tourette's or ADD, ADHD or diabetes or anaphylactic food allergies? Uh, and then we'll know. I mean, well, there's like a civil war going on over vaccines here. We said to the people that can do the study, just do the study so that we can get to the end of this conversation. And they looked us in the eyes, Tim, and they said, we will never do that study. They will never do the most obvious study known to man. And so now let's look at the COVID-19 vaccine. This is one of the most dangerous uh, vaccines ever attempted. Why do I say that? Because they've been trying to make one for 20 years. A lot of people think that this is all being rushed overnight. The only thing that's being rushed is a really dangerous vaccine. Ever since you know SARS and MERS, multiple drug companies have been attempting to make a coronavirus vaccine. Only Why don't you take a moment and explain corona? Because I think a lot of people think that the coronavirus is only COVID-19. They don't understand that it's the 19th strain and the corona is also no it's only the 19th because it came out in 2019 mm. 19 represents oh, okay. 2019 we have had a coronavirus or probably hundreds of mutations of it every single year since the dawn of man coronavirus is amongst a family of viruses along with rhinovirus and flu and multiple things that come seasonally every single year coronavirus and rhinovirus and others sit in the list that we call the common cold. Mm -hmm. So all that the coronavirus is, is one of the versions of the common cold. What's ironic is how many years through our lives that we always heard there's no cure for the common cold. I find that to be really suspect. Under And the now they have it now. Well, they're trying to. Now they're well, going to tell us that they right. have it. But you know what they've done is on the media, I've seen them saying, yeah, we're going to have this vaccine, but we don't know if it's going to work. I mean, I've literally heard them say that. Right. They're already softening us up, letting us know we're going to force you to do it. We're going to force the vaccines. You're going to take this. You're going to wear a mask. You're going to cow down. You're going to do this. And it's probably not going to work. Right. I'd be perfectly, I mean, like, honestly, I'm, I'm not in any forced vaccination program, but a vaccine that simply doesn't work. Okay. So it's like a saline injection. The problem is this vaccine can kill people. And that's what we discovered in all the animal trials for the last 20 years. Uh, I, if you've watched my show, and if you're not, 
come and watch the high wire because we play videos. I don't just make this stuff up. I am totally transparent. I show you the scientists saying this stuff themselves. But Dr. Peter Hotez that works at Baylor University in Texas has been attempting a coronavirus vaccine for 20 years. He's one of the big pro-vaccine proponents. You'll see him on CNN and everywhere else. He sat before our Congress and said, this vaccine is not going to come out within a year because there's no way we can prove it's safe. Why? Because there was a specific issue in all of the, all of the animal trials of every attempt of a coronavirus vaccine up until this year, for the last 20 years. It's something called immune enhancement. Now, it sounds friendly, but it can be totally deadly. Here's what happened. When they inject the animals with all the different versions they were attempting over the last 20 years with the vaccine, it looked like the vaccine was safe. The animal didn't die after the vaccine, so it looked good. They're healthy. Then they test the blood, and they found robust antibody production. That's what we all keep hearing. Oh, it is creating antibodies. Therefore, it's going to protect the animal from the virus. Well, animals go one step further, which is in a, in a trial called a challenge study. This is where they actually inject the animal with the coronavirus itself. In this case, it would have been SARS coronavirus mm -hmm. or MERS coronavirus, whichever one they were trying to make a vaccine for. Uh, they inject them with that virus to see if the vaccine worked. And what they discovered was the vaccine did the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Instead of the antibodies protecting and blocking the virus, it actually grabbed the virus, connected it, drew it inside the cells and created mass reproduction, which ended in a cytokine storm. This is a total immune system failure, shutdown, uh, upper respiratory, uh, something called TH2 immunopathology in the lungs. Uh, organ failure and death in many of the animals. It was tragic. And it happened every single time they injected any attempt at this into animals. And so when we started rushing this vaccine, we skipped the animal trials. We now have a vaccine being introduced into human bodies that killed animals in animal trials. And what we're looking for in my nonprofit, the Informed Consent Action Network, is we're studying these trials and how they're being done and they are being done in a way to avoid ever seeing if they've created this problem called immune enhancement. Remember, they're telling us the vaccine is safe because nobody has gotten sick when getting it. But what we're curious about is what happens when they actually come in contact with coronavirus. Is it going to make them more sick and potentially lead to their death when really we know 99.74% of people recover from this just fine? The studies aren't designed to see if they've overcome. Can you say that percentage again? Because it's very important for the listeners that are fear. You've listened to the 24-7 fear mongering about the coronavirus because you're hiding in your basement and trying to stay away from everybody and, social, and physical distance and wear a mask. What are the percentages of people that make it after they've had a coronavirus? Oh, so 99.76% of people survive coronavirus and that's including all age groups if you start looking at one to 20 i mean it's 99.9999 percent of, of do you know the statistics on the flu on the flu yeah survival rates um survival rates of the flu we know that flu is said to have a 0.13 percent death rate um uh, seasonally. Now, we've never done the type of investigation in the flu that you are seeing on coronavirus, right. which leads to a lot of questions right now. But to put in perspective, uh, flu is said to have a 0.13% death rate. COVID-19 is said to have a 0.23% death rate. Now, we are much more accurate on that 0.23% because of all of the contact tracing, testing is being done 
all, all over the nation, although I in, in the world, which I could get into testing and we could. Right. But, but that, you know, there's, there's, this is the thing. It's like this multi-level psyop and it, there's yep. too many moving parts for people to understand. Like when, you know, when you go in and get tested, their equipment was too sensitive and it was picking up like the common cold and saying, Oh, you've got Corona. That's why down in Florida, they had like 98 to hundred percent of everybody that came through their lab was tested positive for yeah. Corona. And then they had to come back later. And then that went national news 24 seven and people are in Florida are getting it's great it's sprays and you're going to die. And then it was like nine point, it was actually 9.8%. It was only 10% of what they actually said, which was happening. So the, 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 the testing is flawed number one, there were 77 NFL football players that also got tested positive for Corona. And then they, that was big news. And then that, that got reached, you know, that they weren't, they weren't, they didn't have Corona. So the, this testing was flawed. So we have flawed testing and then you have how many people they're actually putting, there's two things that I want to talk about, which was number one, when you look on the, the, the news channel, it'll say cases and it says deaths and they use cases. Cases are growing up. Well, can you explain to people what a case actually is com compared to getting yeah. tested positive? Because it should say positive, tested positive for, for coronavirus. It shouldn't say cases, in my opinion. We have never called something a case that had no symptoms. Uh, so we have changed. So this is a lot. There's a lot of um, um, bait and switch. It's like, it's, like, it's like a shell game right now uh, that we're dealing with. Now, I predicted that there was going to be a pandemic that was going to scare the world and all be designed by the WHO and other ancillary entities like the CDC and the FDA. If you watch my speeches over the last three years, I've been saying that because the adult forced vaccination program has been the goal of the WHO. Uh, and that, that program and the HHS, Health and Human Services in America, had the same goal. By the end of 2020, every adult was supposed to be getting their yearly vaccination. You didn't know that, but I did because I was investigating it. And we were coming to the end of that deadline. And I said, we are going to see some sort of pandemic that scares the world into a vaccine program. And then lo and behold, here we are. And so how do you manipulate numbers? I mean, if we want to talk about this, let's talk about, you know, I'll try to quickly lay out how do you create a pandemic with the common cold? Because that's what has happened. All right. People say, well, Dell, how do you explain the 200,000 deaths? You know, it's obviously there. My own family is saying this to me, right? Like, what are mm -hmm. you talking about? It's easy to create that death rate. Remember, in 2018, the flu killed, you know, roughly 80,000 people in America. Right. So, again, huge. It's pretty big. That's no shutdowns. Death. No shutdowns, no problems, no anything. That was an accepted casualty of a virus. We just let it run its course. Now, when it comes to COVID-19, we've changed all the rules. We've changed all the rules of counting. Number one, the first thing we did was we said, unlike the flu. Now, remember, let me just try to reference. I, I try to come from a place of reason for people. So here's every time you had a relative that had really bad heart disease or COPD, where they had the oxygen up their nose, maybe they smoked their whole lives, they end up going to the hospital, right? You're, now remember this, they end up getting pneumonia while they're in the hospital, and that's usually how they die. They die from pneumonia, not from COPD, not from cancer, not from heart disease. You always find out, oh, they caught a cold or they got the flu, but really their body just couldn't bend itself anymore. It had no immune system left. They were so sick that they died of pneumonia. But what you saw in the death certificate was died of cancer or died of complications from cancer, right? This is what your doctor told you. 
died of complications of heart disease. They died from complications of COPD. That is what we were told. And that is what, how it was always charted up until this year. Now this year, you will never hear anyone say died from complications of heart disease. What you will hear is died from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Now we know that in America, only 6% of people that are listed as having died from COVID-19 only had COVID-19. In fact, the other 94% had two and a half on average other comorbidities, including not just heart disease, but also diabetes or COPD or cancer. So very, very sick people over the age of 65. But the death certificate got changed. Tony Fauci and, 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 and those people waiting at the CDC and they sent a notice out to every doctor, we're changing the way you fill out the death certificate, where it used to say in the number one line, heart disease, and then other you know contributing factors, flu or, or coronavirus or a cold, we want you to flip it. We want to make the top line COVID-19 and make the underlying issue was the heart disease or the cancer. So we changed completely the way we record these deaths. Now, people will say, well, Dell, they wouldn't have died from heart disease if they didn't get COVID-19. Not true. They would have died from they would have died from the flu or a cold or anything they came in contact with as they have every single year. Yeah. But okay, my point is this. You can't change the way you evaluate the number. You know, it reminds me of, let's look at Olympics. You know that in Olympics in speed skating on ice, I know this is randomly pops my head, but go with me on this. We now have a blade that detaches from the skate so that the blade stays in contact with the ice longer. Well, we now have an asterisk. Any, any world record set with these new skates, we know there's an advantage to that skate. We know it's a totally different way of skating. You can't compare it to the old way. Very similarly, you can't compare the way we're taking these numbers to last year's numbers. Here's why. If every person that saw their you know, relative die was told died from complications of, if we went back into those and said, let's flip their death certificate, let's take the flu that they died from and make it the cause of death, not the cancer, and then let's see what the death rate of flu was back in 2019, back in 2018. I'm pretty sure, given the 640,000 people that died of heart disease, but was probably pneumonia involving a flu or a coronavirus or a rhinovirus, we would find that these respiratory conditions have been killing hundreds of thousands of people every single year. This year, they decided to make it the cause. And so all you've done is remove the deck chairs, but you haven't actually changed the numbers. We can't say that 230,000 is a high death rate for COVID-19 because we've never measured the other death rates the same way ever before. We're comparing apples to oranges. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And we have verifiable evidence, guys. We, If you guys go back and listen to episode 25, I had on Senator... Um, Dr. Scott Jensen, Senator of Minnesota. Right. And here's a guy, I don't know if you've met this guy, but he reminded me of like people back home. He's a decent person. He's a straight shooter. He's not, I mean, he is not going to vary, right? He's, it's black and white, they're right and wrong, and there's no different. And just, he he went on like a, a, like a radio show or something. He said, hey, COVID's kind of performing like the flu. And then he also said, I don't like that they're making me change how I fill out death certificates because I've been filling out death certificates for 30 years. This is not right. And all of a sudden he's got two, uh, the medical board, um, some anonymous person. He doesn't even know who his 
a person who uh, is trying to prosecute him is basically saying that, you know, he, anyway, they, so long story short, they investigated him for, for two counts of, counts of like fraud and stuff. And yeah. he could possibly lose his license and, and blemish his, his, his outstanding career, which he by the way, both, I, by the way, he just won his second. Yeah, he did. He, he won he both. Won he, both he's, he, I saw the video where he, he said he was victorious and he won both of those things. And this was a doctor who was like doctor of the year for the entire state of Minnesota. That's not an easy accomplishment. Okay. And, and he did that. And with a, he's such a gracious guy. He's like, Oh no, that was all my team. He didn't take any credit for that. Okay. This is not a guy that's out trying to get YouTube views. He's not trying to get Facebook views. He was just, saying what he thought was right. And for them to try to force these doctors to change how they're filling out medical exams is again, one of the moving parts that people don't see the, where the, the they're, they're changing the death certificates and over here, the, the false test, the false positives. And then, and then, you know, over to the left, they're doing things and writing uh, and, and governors are making mandates so that they, they do things like, um, you know, put people on a, on a respirator when they do have COVID. I mean, that's one of the dumbest things you could possibly do when somebody has a respiratory infection, their AVLI is full of fluid. You don't, I mean, it's not even, it's hydraulics basically at that point, you can't pressurize somebody. And it's like, I, I think 88% of people put on a ventilator with a respiratory infection, that's what's going to kill them. Right? So that's a perfect example. How come they didn't put ventilator as the death? Why, 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 why didn't they put ventilator? It should have been ventilator. Because honestly, they haven't before. And if they decided to do that, we would see this huge ventilator death. And maybe someone's arguing, although that death rate on ventilators at nine out of 10 on a ventilator was extremely high. But the, and, and here's the point. Look, I don't care that you change the death, death certificate. Maybe you're going to try and track infectious disease. And that's now the priority of the CDC. doesn't make sense to me. But okay, but what you cannot do is compare that number to last year's number. You can't do that. You can't compare that to the old way we register the flu. That's my only point. Yeah. What we know is you change the way we count. I am not refuting how you're doing that. What I'm saying is you have. we are now in no position to compare it to the old way we did it. Let's go back and rework those numbers. Look how many people died of heart disease but had flu listed in that lower area. And you probably find out, 350,000 people die of the flu every year. Therefore, this is just like a flu. They won't do that, and that's the problem, right? We know that there's an agenda behind all these things. They're clearly trying to bloat this death rate. But even under those circumstances, back to your question, the death rate has gone down. It's going down. It's crashing in America. And so all, even you know, when all of this was about flattening the curve, it was all about deaths and our fear of overrunning the the ERs and the ICUs. Now all we hear is cases, 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 as though we're supposed to be terrified. In fact, this election, you know, right now, the the you know proposed uh, winner Joe Biden ran completely on the fact that cases are on the rise. That is how he just got voted in. That Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Cases are on the rise. Well, the truth is, cases are on the rise all over the world, except. Really, I mean, well, no, even Sweden, they're a little bit on the rise. But everywhere we're increasing testing, we're increasing cases. And to your point, notice the lack of discussion about deaths. In fact, if, so, if you go back, everyone watching right now, just go back and watch my last week's show of The High Wire because I really get into the fraud around the PCR test and this cases, cases, cases thing, which is insane. Here's, here's the simple question. Again, let's just be reasonable. If... COVID-19, this is the question I asked on my show. If COVID-19 is a deadly virus, okay, what should we see as the cases increase? We should see the death rates increase. Correct. 
stands to reason. Occam's razor. The simplest answer is usually the correct one. But that is not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is the deaths, I mean, the, the cases are going like this, and deaths are really just staying at the exact same line they're on or going down. So something is wrong with the hypothesis that's been fed to us by the WHO, Bill Gates, and Tony Fauci. Either this isn't a deadly disease or your testing is showing us something that doesn't exist. I think both are probably true. Um, I think that ultimately, here's what we know, the PCR test really quickly. Our investigation last week showed that a PCR test, and we have Tony Fauci admitting this, think of cycles. The cycles in the PCR test is the amplification. So remember when you're turning that little dial on your microscope, it's one times, two times, you're going deeper and deeper in to find something. Well, after 17 cycles, at 17 cycles, this, there were studies done that showed that that's 100% accurate. If we run the PCR test and amplify what you know your DNA 17 times and find the virus there, it's 100% that you have COVID-19. But what they showed is then it starts dropping down. By the time you get to 33 cycles, the test is only 20% accurate, meaning it's creating 80% false positives. 80% of the people that are getting 33 cycles to find their, you know, 33 amplifications of the PCR test, their 80% are not actually viral, do not have this illness to pass on. Here's what's shocking. When we did an investigation, not just us, New York Times, they discovered that most of the companies, the top companies, everyone we could find is doing well over 40 cycles, oftentimes 45 cycles, knowing that at 33 cycles, we only had 20% effectiveness and about 35, you're at zero. And Tony Fauci says himself that we have him on video. Again, these people stayed on video. After 35 cycles, you've got to assume that they do not have a replicatable virus, that it cannot replicate in the body, therefore it cannot be um, well, transmitted. Who, who's saying 17 cycles for people to go look up to verify this? You, you know what? I don't know the name of the study, but if you watch my show last week, okay, cool. all of the headlines, and you can look, and we even provide those studies to you. Uh, if you type in the comments while you're watching ICAN, we send them out to you. And anybody that subscribes to my newsletter, I give you every piece of evidence that I do in every show. On Monday, you receive the newsletter. So all you have to do is go to uh, thehighwire.com and then just put your email into our newsletter so that we will provide you with all of the studies that we're referencing so you can read it yourself. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll wrap up. And I want to talk about, um, you know, what, what like somebody that's sitting there and parents and just average person you know, what do they do to kind of, how do they go about protecting themselves from, from possibly forced vaccinations? We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. All right, guys, Tim James here. I'm back with Dell Big Tree. We've been chopping it up about vaccines, gut health. Um, 
got deep into COVID because it's an important topic right now. And um, I think we've just uncovered a whole bunch of things that are really awesome to show you guys how big of a shell game this whole thing is. And it's very deceptive. And uh, the end result, they don't care how they get there, but they want to put a shot in your arm. Now, the question is, is, is it going to be safe? So, Dell, now let's say you're an average person, your average mom, dad, you got a young kid. What do you do? How do you protect yourself? Um, number one, your kids are already perfectly protected, right? They are so healthy. Uh, the death rate for children is non-existent. It's non-existent. I mean, we have 7.5 billion children in the world, uh, like 75 million children in America. You might find one or two cases here and there because they were obviously extremely sick. Pardon me. But, um, when it comes to your children, your children should not be wearing masks. They should be in school. They should be healthy and, and breathing in as many viruses and bacteria as they can get their hands on because that's how their immune system protects them against next year's coronavirus and next year's flu and next year's rhinovirus. We're doing our children a huge, huge disservice. And honestly, our species, by masking them all the time, we're on the verge of making ourselves, you know, we're, we're taking away our acclimation to our own environment. Mm. Just simply put, imagine if you went to Mexico and mandated that no one is allowed to drink the water in Mexico. Within a decade, no one would be able to drink their own water in Mexico. We get sick because we're not acclimated to that water, but we know Mexicans don't have a problem with that. The same thing is true with the air. If we are hiding from the air that we, in the world we live in, we are losing our immunity to everything that is there. And we could find ourselves in a position where we have to wear oxygen helmets like we are on Mars. We could turn ourselves into aliens on our own planet. This is what the modern thinking of science is. It's absolute insanity. So Dude, please. that's a perfect example, man. That's a perfect example because how, how many people have went down to, to, to yeah. Mexico and all of a sudden, a few days into it, you got diarrhea, right? That's right. Same thing happened to me. Guys, the exact freaking same thing happened to me. I'd go to Peru and um, and I'd go down there and I, I tried to, I, I would make sure there was no ice in my stuff. I was literally brushing my teeth with purified water, okay? I was showering with my mouth and my eyes closed as possible and then drying off quickly. I, I didn't put the freaking water in my, and I wouldn't wash vegetables and stuff. I wasn't eating any vegetables. I was just eating fried stuff. Guess what? Every single time I'd leave, I was having diarrhea on the plane ride back. Every single time. Then guess what happened, Del? I changed my lifestyle. I started cleaning up my body. I started detoxing my digestive tract. I started cleaning out my colon. I cleaned up my blood, my fat, my muscle tissue. I started putting the good bacteria in. I, ate, I went plant-based for eight and a half years. I went to Peru. I ate all the vegetables. I was drinking the water. I had ice in my stuff, and I had no freaking diarrhea at all, none. And other people think about this too, that go to Mexico, they had diarrhea, and then they come back to the States. But some of them actually retired, and they went to Mexico to live. It goes away after a while. You build up a natural immunity to that. You you take in those bacteria. Your body balances itself out. You This is what we were talking about earlier about Dr. Shiva was the interferon system, part of the immune system that wants viruses. It wants bacteria so it could take it and actually become and develop those necessary antibodies for life. Not where a, sh a shot where you might have to get a booster shot so it's not for life because they don't work. Like the natural, you, you're never going to beat natural herd immunity and we need that and our children need it. And I think it's such an important point. And this whole Mexican, uh, you know, thing that you just brought up by going to Mexico, it's it proves it. I mean, it's just right there. It proves it. it and that's what we know about the human immune system, right? We know these things. It's what's so frustrating as a medical producer and why I produce the show that I do. They're rewriting 
our, our, our understanding of science and medicine. I am pro-science. I'm as pro-science as it gets. This is not science. This is pharma-driven, you know, insanity. Um, and so take it a step further. So you're asking how to raise your children right now. Every time they're putting, you know, soap, the, the, the antibacterial soap, every squirt you get or every spray you get when you walk in a restaurant, I don't let anyone, you're not putting, I don't know what's in that. I don't know what's there, but here's what you have to understand. Again, when you think about your gut health, right? You knew you had to introduce lots of biome that once you have a strong biome system, nothing can penetrate it. You know, well, what do you think is happening on your skin? We are killing the millions and billions of good and bad bacteria on our hands, but there's a constant war going on. All, you know, also it's a natural, like a dance that's taking place. The beauty of your body is that your healthy bacteria is killing and beating the strep bacteria, the MRSA, the CRE that's in your stomach or on your skin. It's winning that battle because you have a healthy immune system. And now you're killing all of your good bacteria on a constant basis on your children, making them more and more vulnerable as they move forward. So just as you pointed out, where we can't drink the water, we, you know, when we think about the air, we're gonna put ourselves in a position where all we can drink and breathe is pure oxygen. We're gonna have to have oxygen air like we have an immune deficiency. We're all gonna turn ourselves into the boy in the bubble. Uh, we don't so need crazy. to do that. Well, you know, when we look at this illness right now, COVID-19 has a 99.74% success rate. Your immune system is 99.74% successful at beating COVID-19. This vaccine, there's no vaccine that's ever been that effective. And so again, you're gonna introduce vaccines into your body with the potential of death and immune enhancement and God knows what autoimmune disease since all of these vaccines are manipulating your DNA or your RNA in some way. They're spelunking into our immune system in a place they know nothing about. And that's the truth. So when you think of how we move forward, you gotta keep that mask off your child as much as possible. You gotta keep it off yourself as much as possible. I'm not telling you to break the law. You're gonna have to decide when and what you do. What I'm saying is your kids need this air. They need to be breathing it, not just because of COVID-19, but because of any other illness that's out there. They're developing an immune system. There's tons of science showing that 60 to 80% of people have cross-reactive immunity already, will never get COVID-19 because of the cold they had last year. And here's the problem. While the death rate's going down, we must see that either the virus is getting weaker or we're getting better at being able to treat it. But every one of us that gets it is gonna be immune next year when a stronger or crazier strain comes along. If we take ourselves out of this game, out of this process and hide from the air, then we will allow these bacteria going to grow. They're not going anywhere. Coronavirus doesn't disappear. This is what's so insane about Biden's idea of masking and locking down or Bill Gates. They keep saying, oh, if we lock down for 10 more weeks, we can kill this thing. It doesn't work that way. It never has. The virus doesn't get killed. It can't be killed. It's dead. A virus is dead. It's not a living organism. It's just sitting there. The only thing you can do is stop transmission by those of us that have gotten it create herd immunity. Then if you go, oh my God, herd immunity, you're one of those crazy people. By the way, a vaccine can only work if herd immunity exists. That's the entire thing a vaccine's attempting to create too. And so all of these things, the science is being written that there's no such thing as herd immunity. People are getting this thing twice. If that's, that's, a good, that's a good point that you make is that the whole spiel about vaccines is to replicate nature, to protect right. you.
That's what they're trying to do in a lab. And nature's yeah. 4 billion years old. They've been around for a couple hundred years and they're just never going to win. I don't know why it's so hard to figure out. Even if they are going to win, they're certainly not going to win within one year of safety trials and attempting all these different approaches towards vaccines. So, you know, I got to get rolling. So let me just wrap this up in saying that there is, let me be perfectly clear because I get asked by this. And by the way, we have sued. People have to know my nonprofit. I don't just look for answers. When I can't get the answer from our government, I sue them to get the answer. We have won lawsuits against the CDC, the National Institute of Health, Health and Human Services, and the FDA. And because of our lawsuits against the FDA, they are now listening to us. So we submitted a petition a couple of months ago to the FDA saying, we will not allow you to call this a safety trial unless there is a placebo group that's getting a saline injection in the phase three trials. And guess what? Two days later, they shut down all the phase three trials. Within five days, they added a saline placebo group. So we are a part of the science here at the Informed Consent Action Network. We're not just sitting back and bitching about it. We're actually doing something. We forced the FDA to add a saline placebo group. Now, there's ways they're going to try and get around that. We're trying to put petitions forward to stop them from that. But here's what you have to know. There is no way to determine safety of a vaccine in less than three years. Why? Because most vaccines that have issues cause autoimmune diseases like diabetes, like lupus, like multiple sclerosis, like Crohn's disease. Um, All of these things take years to to show themselves, to to actually get to a symptomatic place. So if the vaccine is going to cause a long-term chronic illness for you, you won't know if we're not tracking this placebo group and vaccine group for about three years. So anyone that's telling you, and by the way, they are looking at only doing these safety trials for about two months. There's nothing you will find out in two months about the safety of the vaccine. So if you decide to get this vaccine, just know that it has not been proven to be safe using the gold standard method. I mean, even grandpa's Viagra followed a placebo group for 10 years. 10 years, one group got the Viagra and the other group got a sugar pill painted to look just like it. And all they were trying to do there was make sure that grandpa could still have sex. We're talking about the future health of our children. Certainly, we can give that trial three years. They will never do it. Pfizer's already talking about bailing out of their trial because they're saying they've proven 90% effectiveness. This is, this is the headline today. I want you to look at the math on this. Daily Mail put it all out there. Here's how they determine it's 90% effective, and you decide. You decide if this is acceptable for your family. 48,000 people were in the Pfizer trial for the COVID-19 vaccine. 24,000 got the vaccine. Another 24,000 got a different shot. I'm not sure that it's a saline injection, but they got what they call their placebo. Well, out of 48,000 people in the trial, about 98 have contracted COVID-19. Less than 100 out of 48,000. uh, 0.002 as a decimal point or 0.2% of the entire population just got sick. And of those, 10% had gotten the vaccine and 90% had gotten the placebo. So out of 0.2% of their population getting sick, they are telling you our vaccine is 90% effective. How about we don't know the tens of thousands of unvaccinated or or placebo group that came upon COVID-19 and never got any symptoms 
beat it off. We don't know the ones that got the vaccines that beat it off. We don't have any of the information you would need. The only way to stay truly 90% effective is you're going to have to see at least 20,000 of these people get infected. Not 100, but that's how they're doing the science. You can't trust the science. You can't trust the FDA. You can't trust the CDC because they're all in on it. That's proven by the uh, approval of remdesivir, which even WHO studies showed was totally ineffective at stopping COVID-19. So if you want to get more information, you got and to expensive, and expensive. And expensive. And, and, and expensive. Yeah. But here's well, what you can do. And I'm not saying this. I'm not a doctor. But if you want to give yourself the best chance at staying healthy, I will tell you what many of the doctors like Vladimir Zelenko that's healed a thousand patients uh, in New York and others have told me. You don't need hydroxychloroquine and zinc and azithromycin to prevent this. Uh, however, they all believe that that's the best way to deal with it. If you really start feeling you're having serious symptoms, find somebody that will get you hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. But uh, Vladimir Zelenko said, just take uh, quercetin, simple vitamin. You can get at Whole Foods and zinc. Take those things together all the time. The quercetin opens up the cell the same way hydroxychloroquine does, mm -hmm. and the zinc kills this virus so that it can't get near you. I would go ahead and take Tony Fauci's advice. Start taking vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency is one of the, you know, is the one of the major causes of uh, immune issues. Your immune system is built on vitamin D. Um, and now, though they aren't allowing hydroxychloroquine, one of the things we are hearing they're doing in hospitals with a lot of success is high-dose vitamin D in people that are very sick with COVID-19, and we're seeing the death rate go down. So definitely up your vitamin D, up your vitamin C. I would start taking quercetin and zinc. They're all totally you know, inert vitamins. Uh, don't go crazy. Just read what's on the bottle. Um, I'm not saying that that's a cure. All I'm doing <laughs> right. is representing to you what doctors have told me, and that's what I'm doing for myself and my family. Awesome, uh, Dill. As far as taking a vaccine, I wouldn't let the government of any country force anything into my body. At that point, um, it is time to stand up for our rights and whatever that takes. You do not have control over my body. If we lose control of our body, then we just lost the dream of America. I don't care. I challenge anyone in this audience that's pro-vaccine to explain to me how you have freedom if you can't control what's injected into your body. If they can inject you with whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, you are no longer a free human being. You are less than the slave. You just became a farm animal. We are not farm animals. We are allowed to make our own decisions. And if you think Donald Trump was a dangerous person that hates black people and he bought all this crap about Latinos and gays, bi's, lesbians, transgender, I will ask you this. Then why did you give Donald Trump the right to forcibly inject you with vaccines in California, in New York, in West Virginia, in Mississippi? That's right. He's the one holding that syringe. Now, I'm not saying he's the bad guy that people are saying he is, but the same group that thinks he's a bad guy believe we should be forcibly injected. And I would say that means you believe we could someday elect a Hitler that would do bad things to us if they could, whether they hate us for our race or our religion or our creed or our sexual preference. What if they sterilized us with a vaccine? We all know that's possible. Why would we ever give a bad actor, and some believe that bad actor exists right now, why would we give them that power? Let me be perfectly clear. The president of the United States elects, not you, the president puts into position the head of the CDC, the head of the FDA, 
the head of the NIH, the head of the EPA, all of those that are going to determine what is in your vaccines in every state. If that's a bad actor that brings in their cronies, you could be sterilized or even killed by vaccines. Sound like a hypothetical? Maybe it is. But why would you ever, ever put yourself in that vulnerable position? We are smart people. We know how to do our reading. We know how to read ingredients. We know how to read vaccine labels. Instead of forcing on us, forcing this product on us, do proper safety studies and convince us that this is something we want in our bodies. That's how America works. That's how the world should work. And anybody that says otherwise does not believe in freedom or anything that this country has represented. Absolutely. Thanks, Dell. Appreciate you being on today. It was a pleasure. You'll get some great information, guys. These are facts that you can, you know, you can stick these pillars in the ground and build your foundation of how to protect your medical freedoms from. Um, this has been Dell's life work. Um, he was able to thank God you got out of the the other uh, you know the CBS deal so you could actually do what you want to do when you want to do it and get your passion out there. So please check him out. It's the Informed Consent Action Network or I can't, and then you can also find him at thehighwire.com. Thehighwire.com. Please join his mailing list, and um, then you can get the downloads. Uh, and all the studies for those of you that want to geek out and go deep and actually look at medical research, not medical consensus. This is a great source for you. Um, Del, was there anything else that you'd want to, or places that's that fi- that's, that's where they find you? Thehighwire.com. Check out all of our info. And from there, you'll find our other websites. That's the easiest place to go uh, to start getting the truth. And by the way, we also provide you with sensible ways to talk to your friends like you've heard today. We're going to win this. The people yeah. are waking up. No matter what happens in this country, people need to know. of America now agrees with you. So everybody you enroll, everybody that you, you know, wake up to the truth, that's moving us then into that consensus, that voting block, that majority. The world is in our hands now. Let's do something with it. Awesome. And always, guys, we want to thank you listeners out there worldwide. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving your comments. Thank you for sharing this message. And please, this message, get out there and share it. That's how you can take action. That's how you can pay it forward. Even if you're in a in a wheelchair and you can't move, if you can click that mouse, you can get something done. You're actually sharing and moving the ball forward so we can advance the movement of truth, freedom, and health, like Dr. Shiva said. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I will talk to you again very soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.